time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis. Yay. That's right. Oh, my goodness. It's Thanksgiving week what? next week. So this is your last weekend. You get to get all your Thanksgiving decorations up. Get those leaves swept up, John, so that when family comes over, they're not having to track through all those leaves. Georgina's pulling out all the Christmas stuff already. Is she really? Yeah, they've been Christmas trees and stuff everywhere. You uh, look like a zombie walking in here today. What in the world is going on in your life? Well, old people are not meant to have kids. No. And uh, so we've got young Tula, 19-month-old Tula, ooh, staying with ooh, us ooh, for three ooh. days. And uh, she came over yesterday at 6 a.m. Yeesh. Uh, so it was an early morning for her. I took Mom Is she and still sleeping the, at 6 a.m. when she arrives? No, buddy. She was uh, she was up and raring to go. And okay. Then, uh, and then so she took a very early nap uh-huh. yesterday. Yeah. And then... Wow, I mean, just very busy. Nineteen months old. She's got. I mean, she. Yeah, she can walk, right? She's walking. Yeah, and uh, she's she likes to move stuff from point A to point B, uh-huh. and back to point A, and then she likes to go up the stairs. Yeah, because she's figured out the, the stairs, so she goes up the stairs, and then she then she look at me and she says down. <laughs> so <laughs> which I means take, you have to carry. Her. I carry her down the stairs, and then she looks at me and she says up. And she walks up the stairs, and we did that uh, a bunch of times. Buddy, that's good exercise for you. I Yeah. 4.30 this morning, the what? young thing was up. Oh, well, what? She just, what, had to get herself changed or what? Yeah, I don't know. She, or she's up for the day. She's up for, well, she's taking a nap at some point. But it's it's a lot. I mean, it's a, I love her. She's precious, uh, but it's a lot. Yeah. Because you got to watch them like a hawk. Right. Well, especially at that age when they're they're, they're about the height of where you plug things in to the wall sockets. Oh, we got the, we got all the outlet covers on. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we've it's uh, pretty remarkable. This is quite an undertaking. Yeah. You're not meant at a at, at a certain age to be out there chasing those and little my ones. My wife, I, I love her. I mean, she's wow. She's an incredible woman. Well, that's uh that's awfully special. Hey, listen to what I did yesterday. Right. I went to. Uh, I, I hope this doesn't sound sexist, but I went to a lady lunch yesterday. What? Have you ever heard about, you know, like a ladies lunch where they get together and um, they have a little chicken salad and on a little bed of lettuce? Who are and, you? Uh, who am I? Wow. I was invited to a ladies lunch uh-huh. yesterday, and so I, I went to it. And by the way, uh, I had this chicken salad. Somebody had a homemade chicken salad that was based off of the Straub's chicken oh, salad yeah. recipe. Uh-huh. It was so good. Uh, now, of course, it wasn't Schraub's, and I said, "What? What did you do that uh, with right. this? Let me see it." And this—it uh, was my sister Colleen. She says, "Well, I put a bunch. Of, I put light mayonnaise, and I didn't put all the butter and all that stuff in it. But it was fabulous, dude. Really? I could get in to this, you know, midday lunches. You know, where you arrive at like uh, eleven o'clock." Was it at somebody's house? Yes, it was at my sister's house. Her house is all decorated for Christmas. Of course. And, I mean, the place was tidy, impeccable. Yeah. We sat down. There wasn't large portions. It was, um, you know, like they, 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 it was chicken a dollop, salad. A yeah, dollop A little dollop. Salad. And then they had a little bread if you wanted it oh, and some cut-up fruit salad, yeah. some chips. And it was nice because we, we were there about an hour and a half. What was the uh, conversation there at the uh, We were talking about whether or not I ought to have a kid. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I No, it was uh, we were getting together, and I was kind enough to – she was kind of enough to have invited me, and uh, I don't know. I kind of could get into this ladies' luncheon type stuff, couldn't you? Uh, no, uh, buddy, you'd have loved it. You'd have, we we you would have been a hit at this luncheon. 
First of all, you'd have loved the chicken salad. Those women are not old enough for me. Oh, really? Yeah, you got to be pushing 80. Well, what about this little 19-month-old that's got you uh, doing calisthenics and walking upstairs? I yeah. can't get you to walk upstairs. Well, yeah, she's she's remarkable. Little Tula Bula. I love her. She is the best. Hey, we've got a full hour and a half for you. We're going to do politics actually. when we come yeah. back. We're going to talk about the mosaic. Hey, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, are you one of those people who likes the uh, halftime reporting uh, that comes during the football game where you know. there's usually an attractive woman that's telling you what's happening? Wait till you hear what's going on. Are those reports even real? We'll find out when we uh, talk about it this afternoon. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Happy Friday, St. Louis. It's the Hancock and Kelly Show, and this is normally when we talk our politics. But uh, instead of politics, we're going to talk about wrestling, MMA fighting. Oh, no, that is politics. That's what's going on in our country. It's the Thunderdome of politics up in Washington, D.C. Hey, John Hancock, did you see Oklahoma Republican Senator... Uh, Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne Mullen got into an exchange with Sean O'Brien from the Teamsters Union. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Say <laughs> <Thanks>. solutionary <laughs> poll. No, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Exactly. Bernie okay, Sanders. Having to jump up and tell Mark Wayne Mullen to act like a senator. A United States senator. Yeah, and Teamsters President Sean O'Brien. I mean, this is just childish behavior. And you'd think, oh, well, that's just one example of what's going on. No. Listen to this. Here's Representative Tim Burchett of Nashville. Well, I was doing an interview um, with um, Claudia from NPR, uh, a lovely lady, and she was asking me a question. And, and at that time, I... Uh, got elbowed in the back, and it kind of caught me off guard because it was a clean shot to the kidneys. And I turned back, and there was there was Kevin, and um, and I, I for a minute I was kind of so, what the heck just happened. He's I, talking about Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. He'd be the former Speaker of the House. Burchett was one of the people who pulled uh, McCarthy out of the Speaker's uh, uh, office. Here's what McCarthy had to say: A reporter was interviewing Burchett or something. I guess our shoulders hit because Bertrand runs up to me after. I didn't even know what he was talking about. So my reporters asked me, I did not run and hit the guy. I did not kidney punch him. I did not shoot anything like that. You didn't shot him. No. I, we're walking through. You you are at HC5, right? You guys line up along the way there. So... It this was, is this is where we're at, John, and 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 all of these instances in particular happen to be with Republicans. But we're seeing this type of violent rhetoric on both sides. Having said that, the Republicans in particular. Uh, the brand seems to be anger these days, um, and I think it's exemplified in this behavior just this week, all on the same day. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mark Wayne Mullen uh, uh, has been a client of mine. I know Mark Wayne. Really? And, uh, yeah, he's he's a good guy. He's a tough dude, huh? Oh, he yeah, he used to be an MMA fighter, uh, wrestler in college, he, uh, and a really good guy. I mean, you know, I I he's not like a close personal friend, but I've spent a lot of time with him, talked to him quite a bit, and I like Mark Wayne Mullen, and he got his dander up by uh, that Teamster. 
Yeah, but, and, and I know we often say, oh, that never used to happen. Hey, look, these guys used to, you know, 100 years ago, they'd go duel um, yeah. and shoot each other. So, and politics is a substitution for violence. But the question I have for you is that right now the brand of the Republican Party, from my perspective, seems to be anger. And this is boiling up, whether it be Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, with some of her rhetoric and this, what's going on here. Is the Republican Party standing behind any principles now, or is it just really pushing this anger narrative, and that's ultimately what could lead well, to the victory I mean, in 2024? Pop, it's, it's populism is is kind of the rule of the day. You know, the party didn't even take the time or bother to have a platform in 2020. Think about that. Uh, there was no statement of principles or policies or what we agree on. And, in fact, there's widespread disagreement among Republicans about a host of different policies, uh, probably more so than at any point I can remember. But I do think that the, there's a realignment going on with the Republican Party, and they are ceasing to be what you might consider a traditional conservative institution, and they're very much a populist, nationalistic, isolationist in, in, increasingly. Uh, you mentioned earlier the the Ukraine situation and you know there's a number of republicans not a majority but a number of republicans that uh, i think are skeptical about continuing to finance the war in ukraine and i think it's short-sighted and i think it's wrong but it's uh, clearly it's part of the it's part of the party that would uh, that would pull us out of that thing President Biden has used harsh rhetoric as it relates to China and the president of China Xi uh, over the last several years, well, he met with the president of China in San Francisco this week, asked specifically about calling him a dictator. This is what the president had to say. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is the guy who runs a country that is a communist country that is based on a government totally different than ours. Well, well, number one, the president's answer was right. It's probably the not best thing for him to be saying in the midst of diplomacy. It clearly made the secretary of state uncomfortable. But I was pleased to see the president be consistent with his rhetoric about China. Well, I mean, she is a dictator. I mean, that's just then the reporter asked, is the dictator a dictator? And he said he's a dictator because he's a dictator. And here's the thing about everything that's going on right now in the world. If you look at the Russian aggression towards Ukraine, you've got a dictator in Vladimir Putin, and Ukraine has a democracy, fledgling democracy, I'll grant you. They've had a lot of issues over the time. But it's a dictator invading a sovereign democratic nation. In Israel, you've got Hamas, which are essentially dictators, uh, Islamic uh, extremists. Uh, who invaded a sovereign, democratic country in Israel. Taiwan has democratic elections. Uh, they are uh, threatened by the communist Chinese dictator. That's that's what's happening in the world. It's, it's the democracies and the good guys against the dictators and the bad guys. And, and too many people in this country do not recognize the United States of America as a positive force in the world, and we are. Right, but what's interesting is uh, in the Israeli-Hamas uh, conflict, we have folks on the left who are, you know, out there from siding with uh, Hamas. And, yeah, ridiculous. And on, and on the right, in the, in the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, we have Republicans that are siding with 
the Russians. In the midst of this, China potentially could be invading Taiwan. Are we seeing the emergence of a new axis and allies? There's no question about it. And where does the American where does the American Congress fall down? Because we seem to be on all sides. Yeah, I mean, you had you had Hamas leadership in Moscow two weeks ago. Uh, there's no question but that Iran is engaged throughout that region, not just with Hamas, not just with Hezbollah, but with all these little satellites all over Syria and Yemen. And uh, Iran is a malign actor. China has designs on taking over all of Asia. I mean, this yes, it's it is. There is a, an alignment out there. There is an axis of evil, and they are evil in the United States. The, you know, the world is just a fundamentally safer, more stable place when the United States exercises leadership. I completely agree with you. And, uh, hey, speaking of safety, well, a lot of people are hearing the rhetoric coming from the mayor and the police chief here in the city of St. Louis, Don John Hancock, that crime is going down. Seven less homicides this year than the year before. Woo, stellar improvement. Uh, we had earlier this week, just three hours before a Blues game, a man shot in the head right there in front of the Enterprise Center. We had a carjacking gone wrong uh, or a car theft gone wrong on Wydown and yep. Tony Clayton. Uh, we continue to see crime rising, but at the same time, our leaders are whispering into our ears telling us, hey, crime's going down and things aren't that bad. Do they think we're silly? We're all living through this. What is going on? Well, they're, they're, yeah, you feel like you're getting gaslighted. Uh, the only problem is we're all living this and we're seeing it. You know, it's like trying to tell people there's no inflation. Well, you, you go if you go to the store, you know there's inflation. And there's crime in St. Louis, and it's bad. I'm convinced that not all of the crime is getting reported. I do believe that. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. So uh, I have an office in downtown St. Louis. There's a brand new hotel that went into the old YMCA building. It's called C20-something, C21. Yeah. And it's a, it's a beautiful hotel. They did an incredible job rehabbing this space. Uh, they have beautiful artwork in there. And it's not cheap to stay there. It's three to $500 a night. Whoa. Three days in a row, I drove by on my way to my office, less than a half block away, and see all the windows with St. Louis confetti there because people had gone in, Just busted the windows. windows out. I'm watching the folks who are staying the night in the hotel in this war zone come out, sweep up the glass. Uh, and it was three days in a row. Finally, called KMOX. They did a report on it, and the Post-Dispatch did a report on it. It was 25 cars in three days at a hotel that we're charging almost $500 a night to stay in. This is not a good story for St. Louis. And the idea of hiding this from the public, for what purpose does it serve? When the great St. Louis and the downtown people go out there and say things are getting better, what, what purpose does this serve for us to ignore this and try to be Trumpian and hide the fact that we have a serious crime problem? Yeah, and I would much rather see us address the serious crime problem. Look, there are nights that go by in this city where you've got entire police precincts that have maybe four officers in them in an overnight time when all the crime's happening. It's uh, it's just not tenable, and I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if we'll ever have leadership that will address it, but I surely hope we do someday. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. We're going to take you all the way to 10 o'clock. We'll be joined by Amy and Chris. Then, hey, there's SLU basketball today at 11 o'clock, so we'll take you all the way up to the start of the SLU basketball game. And Bob Ramsey's play-by-play. It's Hancock, Kelly, and you right here on KMOX.
Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. You know what starts today? Christmas. What? Joining us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line is Bob O'Laughlin, one of the great citizens of St. Louis. He's the owner of Union Station. And today is the kickoff of the Polar Express. Bob, one of the best parts about the Christmas season. Good morning. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Fine. Uh, Today you're kicking off the Polar Express. You've added a couple of new things, and there's plenty of room for people to bring their kids and grandkids down, right? Yep. Uh, Last year we did 75,000 people on the uh, Polar Express. This year we expect to do more. So it'll run through the end of the year, and we're really excited about it. Yeah, and it's it's a really special experience. It takes place right here at Union Station. So many things that people can do. They can ride the train. They can go to the candy shop, the ice cream shop. They can go into the aquarium. They can go up into the um, into the St. Louis Wheel. Bob, where can people buy tickets? Well, they can go online for Polar Express, or they uh, can come down and uh, buy them uh, right where you get the aquarium and the wheel. I've got a question here. It looks like you've got something called the old tannin bar, Christmas tree bar. What's up with that? Well, it's uh, last year we put it in. It's uh, highly decorated in our train shed restaurant, and we actually doubled the amount of people that went in there uh, from the year previous. And you have to see it to believe it. It's just flat-out gorgeous. He is Bob O'Laughlin. He's with LHM right here in St. Louis, Union Station. Go online to the Polar Express. It starts today. Bob, have a Merry Christmas, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much, and same to you guys. All right, and uh, John, you uh, spent a little time uh, checking out some of the cultural events around St. Louis this week. Where were you? So I went to the Fox Theater the other night. It was delightful, and uh, they've got the Tina Turner show out there. It's kind of I'm going Sunday. You're going Sunday. Is it good? It was very good. Yeah. Uh, and the gal that uh, plays Tina Turner is just phenomenal. I mean, he's got a phenomenal voice. And I thought, wow, this is a great day. And then, And then they get to the end of the second act, the end of the show, and just a glorious ending. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for you, Michael, uh-huh. but, I mean, it was just, you know, you, you looked at that and you thought, ah, what a way to end the show. Really? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, everybody up rocking and clapping yes, and shouting. and it was awesome. just delightful. And you think, now that is the way to end a show. Right. Well, except that wasn't the end of the show. What do you mean it wasn't the end well, of the show? Well, they brought somebody out. <laughs> so they said, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's getting up to leave. Ladies and gentlemen, from the office of the mayor of St. Louis, please welcome the mayor's aide so-and-so. Oh, wasn't the mayor? The mayor's aide so-and-so comes out and reads a proclamation oh, from the mayor. Whereas. Whereas, yeah. and oh, therefore Lord. now be it resolved. I mean, and and uh, and the mayor was out of town, apparently. So Tina Turner is debuting at the Fox Theater here yes. in St. Louis. Yes. You were there on a opening, opening night. Opening night. It winds up being a rocking show. It was wonderful. Tina Turner, arguably one of the greatest citizens to come out of St. Louis yeah. in terms of international recognition. Uh, they're honoring her, and uh, they go to hand out a proclamation. And, and they read the proclamation. And the it wasn't even the there. mayor. The mayor wasn't there. She's out of town. I mean, give them a proclamation, but don't don't end the show. I, was, I just thought it was underwhelming. That now, hopefully, the proclamation won't be read when you go. On oh, Sunday. I hope Maybe not either. But, uh, night. but, you know, the thing about Tina Turner, which I find so amazing about her, uh-huh. 
she had a career, proud Mary, the whole Ike Turner thing, and Ike Turner. Uh, wow, he's not uh, he's not favorably portrayed anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know the guy was married seventeen times. What? Yeah, was, Ike Turner was married seven. Yes. Who would marry him after like five or six? Well, somebody, eleven other people apparently. Wow. So, um, but she completely in her forties now. And you think about the entertainment business and the rock and roll industry. In her forties, she remade herself and goes out and becomes this smashing hit again in her career. It's a really remarkable career, and uh, you know we all kind of lived it. From the early days and right up until the end, she passed away just a little over a year ago, uh, did Tina Turner. But um, her name was Anna May. Her real name was wow. Anna May. And, you know, by all accounts, was just a really remarkable well, woman. It, um, most St. Louis citizens of a certain age, and I bet there's a lot of them out there listening to us right now, can tell the stories of going to see her uh, play uh, up on the north side and here in the city. Uh, some of the music. My mom talks about getting to see Tina Turner. I know they played high school dances, etc. Yeah, it's just awesome that uh, she has this um, connection to St. Louis. It's unfortunate later in life she had fled the United States and wound up spending the rest of her life in France, the yeah. south of France. And mm-hmm. if, what you know, it's not a bad place to have to spend the rest of your life. Well, that's where Josephine Baker, also from St. Louis, she ended up in France. Now, Josephine Baker. Uh, was actually a, a U.S. spy uh, during the war. Say what? Yeah, she she worked with. But, yeah, she was the stripper, right? Well, she was a, great a burlesque performer. dancer yeah, type thing. Yeah, I mean, so she, maybe she would dazzle those guys and get all the secrets out yeah, of them but, when she had her top on. You know, you think about the talented uh, musicians that have come out of this city. I mean, it's really remarkable for a city this well, size. Well, Scott Joplin, Tina yeah, Turner, Chuck Berry, yeah. John Hancock, Miles uh, Davis across the river. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know Miles Davis Louis. is from St. Louis. Yeah, how about that? Pretty remarkable. We've yeah. had a, we've had a lot of very very fine people. In this city. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to the Fox Theater. It's been a couple of years since I've been there. You know, that's that's an experience just in itself, getting to take a couple of minutes and stare around and look at that incredible chandelier and that beautiful old building uh, that's been uh, maintained so great here in St. Louis. We're lucky to have it. Indeed, we are. Hey, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to visit with Betsy Cohen, Executive Director of the St. Louis Mosaic Project. You've heard lots about declining populations that are taking place in St. Louis. You've also heard about the influx of immigrants that we've had over the last couple of years, whether it be Afghanis and, of course, uh, Bosnians that have moved to St. Louis. There's an effort to bring more legal immigrants to St. Louis. Is it a good thing? I think so. We'll talk about it after this on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insterity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. I'm excited about our next topic because last week, John Hancock, you and I spent some time speaking to uh, Professor Sandoval about the declining population that's taking place a in St. Louis. Huge issue for this community. Yeah, we continue to see a lot of our young people moving away. And one of the solutions to growing the region could be bringing in new Americans. So joining us in studio right now is Betsy Cohen. She's the executive director of the St. Louis Mosaic Project. Good morning, Betsy. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. What is the Mosaic Project? The Mosaic Project is part of our World Trade Center, St. Louis Economic Development Partnership, with a goal of attracting and retaining more foreign-born people to the region so that we can be a growing region and can help work authorize foreign-born people to succeed so we can be a growing region. 
How uh, successful are we in luring foreign-born people to come to St. Louis? Well, first of all, I want to say it's most important that we support those people who were born in this country, which really is 95% of our region, 5% is foreign-born. So there's no doubt we as a region need to focus resources on the 95%. The 5% that are foreign-born come from many countries, many backgrounds, many education levels, and it is something that we can work on growing and attracting both people to come here and supporting foreign people here so they tell family and friends, you should come to St. Louis. You have to be supportive of people here because that's what makes someone go somewhere when you have family and friends that say, St. Louis region is very welcoming, I'm doing well, and you should join us here because it's a good cost of living, quality of life, work is good, come here. I think most people, when we have this conversation about foreign-born people moving to St. Louis, we think of the Bosnians, right? Um, And that's over with. That was just in the 90s, right? Correct. And the Bosnians came in the 90s because, again, our our country welcomes people. We have international students that we welcome that are authorized to work. Our businesses have visas for people to work. And we as a country have humanitarian programs through the United Nations and the State Department where we welcome people legally to work and live here. And the Bosnians came that way in the 90s. And we've seen that also in recent years as we've welcomed People from Afghanistan and from Ukraine and now from certain Latin America countries where they come as part of our humanitarian goals as a country with certain limits where people come. Some of them can stay forever and become citizens. Some come for limited numbers of time, but they're welcomed here for different humanitarian reasons and they are legal and they're authorized to work. Yeah, and we have, with all these universities that we have in this town between Wash U, St. Louis U, Umsol, and there's many others— Uh, We have a a huge international student population. Are those folks staying here? So we as a region have probably 9,000 or a little more international students in the region. 50% of them are in STEM fields, Mm -hmm. which means this is talent that we haven't grown enough yet. Even though we have many programs as a region, we want to grow STEM talent. 50% of these international students are in STEM. I was at St. Louis University yesterday. They have over a 1,000 new international students this year. There'll be another 1,000 coming in the spring. Webster has tripled their number of international students because they are bringing tuition, they're bringing talent and skills. A number of them stay, but a challenge is a lot of our employers don't understand that the students, these international students, can stay on their student F visa for up to three years while they work for a company And that's longer than a normal U.S.-born tech worker who only stays one or two years. So we need employers to understand that we have a great source of talent at our universities, particularly in the STEM fields. They just need to ask career services. I want to talk to your data science people. I need to talk to engineers, climate. Our country actually authorized 22 new majors to qualify for this three-year work extension called Optional Practical Training, where they stay on their student visa. So you've got that going on yes. at, the, at the universities. That's a huge. And, it, you know, St. Louis, for whatever reason, has not been particularly attracting uh, folks from Latin America, uh, Mexican citizens. Kansas City is doing much better than we in that regard. One, why is that? And two, it would seem to me that the, just the, the need for employees is so great in this town that that would be a natural community to cultivate. What, what are you guys up to there at Mosaic? So 
one of the things that's an advantage of our region is that we have 17 to 20 universities. So we tend to skew toward people coming here and staying here who have higher degrees and higher skills. Kansas City doesn't have as many universities, but they've had more manufacturing that has people with lesser and middle skills. So in some ways, that has shifted who we attract and who we retain. That's one factor. That's interesting. One of the other factors is that the transportation from Texas to Chicago goes through Kansas City, doesn't come through St. Louis. And then thirdly, when they had a bigger base of Hispanic people, that attracts. People want to go where family and friends tell me they're being well-treated. We haven't had as big a group. So we are working with our Hispanic community here uh, to increase this because we have so many legal work-authorized Hispanic people that are in all of our fields in St. Louis, from supporting our soccer team to our corporations to universities. So there's work going on across the region from the uh, the, the Catholic churches with their Hispanic ministries, Casa de Salud, with the health clinics, with our um, universities, with our corporations. And we have an initiative called St. Louis for You, STL Parati, including work with our International Institute and all of our groups that welcome people that are from our Latin countries. You think we would be a natural fit being uh, such a highly Catholic city? Yes. Uh, I grew up in a church in St. Charles now that most of the masses are said in Spanish. Yes. Um, is that something you're working in conjunction with the Catholic Church to find new Americans that want to relocate to St. Louis and grow their life here? Because we are in the center of the country, but it's so affordable in comparison to many of the other cities, particularly the border towns. Yes, and as we've seen the Archdiocese do a reorganization, um, they have highlighted a number of the churches that will be hubs for the Hispanic community. So this St. Louis for You, STL Parati collaboration in the region emphasizes ways that we can support current Hispanic people that are here and make it more supportive for them to have family and friends that want to come and to stay here as well. So much of the conversation around new Americans winds up going to the border crisis and people coming here illegally, etc. Um, that has to be a barrier to the work that you're doing. How do you go out and educate folks that, hey, in fact, these Americans, they, they want to come here and work. They want opportunity. And if you're a business person, that this is a safe place for and resource for them to leverage to find employees. I think the main point is that 14 percent of our country is foreign born and only 3 percent of our country is undocumented. The majority, the 80 to 90 percent of people that are foreign in this in this country our work authorized in here legally, and those are ones that we need to work to attract. And we do have undocumented people in the country, but that is not the focus of all the attraction efforts of the region. It's to work within the companies, the schools, the connections to families, and drawing people that already are authorized to work and legal here, which includes some of the new programs that our government has authorized people to be here and be authorized. We talked to Dr. Sandoval from mm -hmm. St. Louis University last week, and uh, he was highlighting, among other things, the fact that on a daily basis in St. Louis, more people are passing away than are being born here. Uh, we've all seen our population decline, not just in the city, but across the entire region. Do, are there goals that Mosaic has? Uh, and by the way, our guest is Betsy Cohen. She's the executive director of St. Louis Mosaic. Do you have numeric goals that you're striving to hit in terms of bringing new populations to the, to the St. Louis region? Yes. As Professor Sandoval says, we're in a demographic winter. 
Um, and that means we have more you know, deaths than we do births. So one of our goals, the main goal, is to be the fastest-growing major metropolitan area for foreign-born people. In the 10 years the Mosaic Project has been uh, in existence, we have grown a little over 10,000 foreign-born people in the region, from 118,000 up to now close to 135,000. It was higher than that before the pandemic, but we lost international students, and now we're rebuilding. So the question is we have to look to all of these sources of family members, and workforce talent to grow this slice of our population. Again, uh, the city of St. Louis is about 7% foreign-born. So, again, we have to focus on the whole pie. But the 7% in the city, 5% for the region, we can grow this looking for talent and families to help encourage people to come. And we saw coming out of the pandemic that there was this just massive need for employees uh, in in the St. Louis community, does that still exist? Are our businesses still hungering to fill slots? I get probably two to three calls every week with employers looking to fill jobs. And we have a job board where we post jobs. We refer um, employers to the International Institute who has a workforce team of several people. They work closely with employers to fill jobs. Our Hispanic Chamber of Commerce has a job board. They post jobs. Our African Chamber, our Asian American Chamber, all of them are posting jobs to reach new sources of talent, work-authorized people who could start working right now that our employers need. So this is something that we are a source to connect employers to potential employees. Yeah, it sounds like you're as much a resource for Americans living right here in St. Louis as you are for foreign-born folks who are wanting to relocate here. Is there a website that if I'm a business owner, whether it be a lawn care or owning a donut shop or for that matter, an IT company, that I'm out there, I may be a little nervous about, hey, am I getting American? I don't want to get in any trouble. Uh, is Where can I go? Well, our website, stlmosaicproject.org, has a job board. The Hispanic Chamber of Commerce has a job board, and the International Institute at IISTL.org, they have a full workforce development team where they, again, work with work-authorized people to fill jobs for employers. Are there incentives, government incentives, to help new Americans, like if you were to employ somebody, or uh, no, it's just... There, you, there are no the, specific incentives for the employment. It's more making those connections so that the interviews can happen and talent can be found. Betsy Cohen from the Mosaic Project has been our guest. Betsy, give your email, or not your website address one more time. stlmosaicproject.org. That's the Mosaic Project. They can help new Americans come here. Maybe they can help your business. We've got to grow this population, or guess what? We're going to continue to evaporate. Hancock and Kelly roll on after the news right here on KMOX. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes talks football, family, and more. Monday nights during Sports Open Line, only on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. We're going to join Amy and Chris here at the top of the hour. We'll listen to them for a little bit before uh, St. Louis U basketball will yeah, be on the way. Yeah, they start the uh, Billikens this year. Enjoyed that conversation with Betsy Cohen um, from the Mosaic Project, John. You know, so much of our conversation about immigrants is focused on the border and a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out about what's happening at our border. Um, but... I mean, St. Louis, we've got to come to the realization that we are dying and going away. I'm Irish. 
Uh, my family uh, ultimately moved here because there was an Irish settlement, and we all know there was the hill. And well, of and course, you had the potato famine. Yeah, and then, the, of course, the Germans who brought us beer. Um, how great would it be to become a mecca of having these new Americans move in here and help revitalizing a once great city that is in desperate need of population? Well, and we're a nation of immigrants, uh, and, and legal immigration is a very important component of uh, building this country. And this the, the cold, hard reality is uh, the native-born population here is not having kids right. in any kind of numbers. And uh, and that's certainly true in the St. Louis region. And you, you see this, you know, lack of families. And the, 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 the snowballing effect of that as it relates to the schools that aren't full and shutting down and, you know, there's just there, – there's a vibrancy that population brings – that we're lacking in St. Louis. And, we, yeah, we need people. She spent a lot of time explaining that of the 11% of our population uh, that's new Americans, only 3% of them are what, you know, Fox News likes to talk about. Well, undocumented. Coming from the border sure. crisis, et cetera. Um, and I, you know. Well, still millions uh, of people. You, you, I mean, you've, you've got you've to solve I, I'm the with poorest you. border. It's got to I, be done. I'm with you. But we just witnessed a fight happen in St. Charles brought by Councilman Brazel that's, you know, against the efforts of the Mosaic Project because it's got all this rhetoric about, you know, f- you know, people flooding over the border. And that's not what these folks are doing. And that's not the preponderance of new Americans that are wanting to come to St. Louis. And what we're doing is we're painting the whole uh, effort with this large brush, and it it could be uh, harmful to what needs to happen, and that's we've got to grow population. Yeah, and and there are jobs. I've I've got several friends that are employers who, you know, they can't find people to to do the jobs that need to to get done, and, uh, and they're dealing with it. Hey, uh, so we've got big football weekend this weekend. We're starting to get into the business end of the NFL uh, season. Monday night, a rematch of the uh, Super Bowl, the Kelsey brothers taking on each other there in Kansas City. Could be a preview of this year's Super Bowl. Could be a preview. And, of course, Taylor Swift's going to be there. It's going to be a circus. Uh, John, I don't know about you, but uh, I I, kind of always half-heartedly chuckle at the mid-game reports that come from the sideline reporters, usually yeah. a very attractive lady yeah. uh, who's down there to let us know that Bill Belichick just walked back from uh, the locker room and he had a gristling view on his face and they'll tell you this, that, and the other. Well, it's coming out now. Clarissa Thompson, who is a Fox uh, reporter, sideline reporter. Former, former, former Fox, Fox yes. sideline reporter. She says, yeah, most of the time I was just making that stuff up. She never talked to the people. Well, I mean, look, it's halftime. You're, you're, you're the coach. Your team's losing 31 to 3. Uh, the last thing you want to do is go talk to some reporter on the sideline. You know, you've got things are not going well. And, but you'd also don't want your reporters making up news out there. I mean, think about that. She just says, yes, just talk to Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are, they're looking to get the ground game moving here in the second half. Well, she didn't talk to Mike Tomlin. Uh, that's, uh, we have a word for that in the industry. It's called lying. And uh, you, you don't like somebody, and I assume Clarissa Thompson has got a journalism degree from somewhere. Uh, not a good look. So, and it seems to me that the sideline reporters, they're typically female. 
Uh, and most of the people who are calling the games are males, right? Two males of whatever color. Right. Uh, this seems to be the place that we're injecting diversity into the coverage of sport. And then for it to be made up is just kind of silly. Seems to me that it'd make more sense to put these types of folks in the booth and have them on more often and give them some really substantive stuff rather than the three minutes that we give them at halftime. And then we now find out many of them are making it up. And I do feel bad for the real reporters and Aaron Andrews out there who's insulted by this because she's saying, hey, I work hard on my sources all week, and I do get into these guys' faces before and after the locker room to be able to report facts. Yeah, and I don't, I certainly don't mind having a sideline reporter. I think there's real value, especially when you're dealing with injuries. You've got somebody that's, you know, got boots on the ground down there, and you will find out it's an ankle, it's a whatever. You know, there's value in that uh, if you're watching the game. But there's no, there's no value in – not speaking to the coach and then acting like you did. I mean, that's uh, hey, not not good for Clarissa. Wanted to get your read on this as a sports guy. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can remember uh, a couple decades ago, Bill Belichick was under investigation because the New England Patriots Spygate. were apparently spying on other teams doing practice. Yeah, uh, uh, that would be the Rams going into the Super Bowl they were spying on. Right, yeah, and, I remember it. and many people thought that that uh, was wrong, and uh, the NFL at the time was riding the wave of the New England Patriots. That whole investigation kind of got swept under the rug. Then it was in this last decade, we saw the Houston Astros. It comes out that they were cheating, using a trash can, watching uh, the game, the symbol, the, what do they call it, the signs, and then using some type of audible thing to communicate, essentially cheating. Both of those you uh, thought was straight up cheating, correct? Yes. And you think it was uh, a stain on the game? Yes. Now we have it coming out that uh, Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan, has had a player going to, or not a player, a, a student going to games of uh, future opponents, figuring out those signs and learning those signs. Um, do you think that that is the same level of cheating yeah. that Bill Belichick? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you just you don't do that would, because but, what they were doing is they're looking at the sidelines, they're taping the game, they're putting them up side by side, and they're figuring out what the signals are and what play is going to be called. Well. Kind of defeats the purpose of fair competition. But it's I'm not no, fair competition. I'm no defender of Michigan. Um, I, I'm a I'm an Notre Dame fan myself, uh, and, and in particular Jim Harbaugh. But I'm I'm not sure he's the only one that's doing well, this. I, that could well be. And number two, we all watch the football games on Saturday tomorrow. We can see the signs happening. Isn't it kind of an antiquated thought process to think that? Teams aren't going to go uh, scout their opponents and maybe pick up some signs. And is this really the degradation of yeah. football? Yeah, no, it's cheating. It's cheating. If you if you know what plays coming now, you know there's an art in baseball where uh, you know a pitcher's got to tell he'll he'll hold his glove a certain way if the breaking ball is coming, for example. Uh, and you know that's not a problem if the pitcher's tipping off his pitches. That's that's on him. But if you've got a camera looking at the catcher putting signs down and you're communicating to the batter that a curveball is coming, uh, that's that's cheating. Yeah, that's what the Astros did. But and I, this is cheating, too. But I don't know that, it, that, that they're not all doing it. We all watched the coaches when they show the sideline coaches. They all put papers up in front of their face because they know full well their opponents are watching what they're saying come out of their mouth. 
I think it's awfully naive and kind of silly that we're targeting Michigan this way when I guarantee you Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas, Alabama, Georgia are doing some form of a similar well, if thing. If they are, they, they're cheating. But that's all I'm saying. And just because somebody else is cheating doesn't mean that my cheating should be ignored. Well, I now mean, you're starting to sound cheating. like my mother. You cheating know. is cheating. If everybody jumps off a bridge, Michael, would you jump off the no, bridge? No, you wouldn't jump off a bridge. Uh, because that's cheating. Two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> that is correct as well. Yeah, well, uh, we're uh, going to move on from uh, that type of a sports. Can you believe that it's already Christmas time and there's an opportunity to get discounted Cardinal tickets, buy those packages ahead of time? Yeah. We're going to visit with uh, Joe Strom. I thought Joe was retired. No. No? No, uh, Farrell retired. Oh, Farrell yeah, retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, maybe Strom wants to retire, too. We'll talk to him Strom's about it. Strom's not retiring. He's got tickets to sell. Well, we're going to talk to him about that after this on KMOX. Best newscast in the country. The KMOX Newsroom, national winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast in America. Well, the cold weather is just around the corner. It's not here today, but the Hot Stove League, that off-season ritual in baseball where you sit around and talk about the off-season acquisitions. The Cardinals are going to be in the market for a couple or more pitchers this off-season. We know that. But starting in roughly five minutes from now, Michael, wow, you can get your first glimpse and purchase Cardinal tickets for the upcoming season. And joining us to talk about it is Joe Strom. He's the vice president of ticket sales. His phone's going to be ringing here at 10 o'clock this morning. Joe, welcome to KMOX, and it's Red Friday today. It is Red Friday. Glad to be on. I wish I was retired, but I am here working. So, <laughs> uh, But, no, it's glad to be here. It's uh, You mentioned earlier Polar Express is a sign of Christmas. This is another sign that Christmas is coming, uh, the ability to purchase tickets. You can purchase them for yourself or purchase them for someone else for a nice Christmas gift. And you're exactly right. Today is Red Friday. What that basically means is Single-game, all-inclusive tickets are will go on sale. That's where your food and beverage is included with your game ticket. And then also a variety of five- and ten-game packs uh, are available throughout the year. And the, and the packs are tied into a large number of our great giveaways that we have throughout the year where we have 35 to 40 games that have outstanding giveaways. Yeah, I'm looking at this thing, and uh, the five-game packs include five Sundays, you got the five Fridays. You got a weekend pack of five games. The bobblehead pack, where they're giving away the bobblehead on five games. And a Cubs pack, always a popular item. And I noticed on the 10-day pack, you've got a day value pack. That's really appealing to me. I love those afternoon games. What What's going on here? Yeah, no, that's just uh, where you'll basically get 10 games for the price of five. And you're exactly right. One is tight end, has all the weekday afternoon games, which actually this year we have nine weekday afternoon games. So there is one night game as part of that pack. But uh, you'll ba- you'll basically get uh, 10 games for the price of five and can come to all the afternoon games. Yeah, and uh, these are affordable. I mean, you can get five games for as low as, low as 55 bucks. That's That's a steal, dude. Yeah, that's what you're going to find on the packs. It's really the best time and the best way to purchase tickets because you're definitely going to save money over purchasing these same games on a single-game basis. So go ahead and purchase now. Get the games on your schedule for the year because we know when you get your kids' schedules and everything else, uh, you get quite busy in the summer. So go ahead and pick out your games uh, for the year as by the pack and uh, get it on your schedule for the 2024 season. Speaking of the schedule, it changed last year, uh, I think for the better, 
you know, it used to be that you'd play, what, 19 games against each of your divisional right. opponents. That was just too many, too much of the, of the Pirates rolling through here. Uh, now you're, you're seeing every team. I mean, this is, uh, I really, it's more challenging, but I really like the new schedule that MLB has adopted, and that's got to be popular for the ticket purchasers as well. Yeah, the feedback has been very popular. I just came back from some MLB business meetings, and uh, the feedback has been very po- positive throughout the industry on on the new schedule format because, as you said, you play less within the division, but you do face every American League team, and every other year every American League team will be coming through St. Louis. And so you're going to see the great uh, players from the American League as they come through St. Louis. And in the past, that wasn't always the case, because if you think about when Albert left St. Louis, it took almost eight years before he was able to play again in St. Louis, and that's just too long a time. All right, so how do I get my hands on these? Do I have to go to the website? Can I call somebody, or can I show up in person? Uh, you can do all three. The easiest way is the website, cardinals.com, but you also can call at 314-345-9000 or just come down to the stadium and purchase today. Yeah, the other question I have, everybody knows it's a uh, it's a holy day of obligation in St. Louis, and that is opening day. Can you get your hands on opening day tickets in this offer? Well, you can get your hands on opening day tickets in two different ways. We have the opening 10-game opening day pack, which is our most popular pack, because that includes opening day, includes the final game of the season, and other top games throughout the season. But you also can buy single-game tickets for opening day in our all-inclusive areas uh, beginning today at 10 o'clock. So, Vice President of Ticket Sales, how does one aspire to such lofty heights? (laughs) It means I'm old, I guess. But... um, (laughs) How long have you been with the Cardinals? You know, I've been. This will be my 38th season uh, <laughs> upcoming. So it's. Uh, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a small town in Illinois and started as an intern, and have been fortunate to work my way up through this great organization. Look at, and look at you now. You practically own the ball club, Joe Strom. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm fortunate to work here. Hey, Joe. We look forward to talking to you as the season gets closer, and then of course we've got the uh, winter warm up, and then spring training. Uh, it's hard to believe that we're starting uh, that slide towards Cardinal baseball coming back. I think we're all salivating for a far better season than last year. Yeah, and and, and it, we'll have little hiccups like we had last year. And I know it wasn't uh, that that that's just not acceptable in this market. And uh, we will definitely be looking to make the moves that are needed. And uh, I think it should be an exciting 2024. All right, folks, go out and get those tickets. Thanks so much, Joe Strom and John Hancock. Yeah, buddy. Sunday morning at eight thirty, I uh, I will be seeing you on Fox Two here in San Louis, here in where town we have this the weekend. Hancock and Kelly show on television. That's from 8.30 to 9. Uh, Our good friend Andy Banker sits between us there on Fox 2. You can check us out. Hey, we normally have our late night with Hancock and Kelly on Monday evenings, but guess what's happening this Monday? It's hard to say. Oh, St. Louis basketball. No, it's a Monday Monday night night football football game. The Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Philadelphia, what, Eagles? Eagles, Yeah, Eagles. Eagles. uh, The Kelsey brothers will battle it out. So we'll be in on Tuesday. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, which will take you right before the biggest night of the year to go out to the bars, which is Wednesday night. It also happens to be Guns and Hoses as it's the night before Thanksgiving. That's over at Enterprise Center. It is. And that'll be a a fine event. Yeah, well, it's It's been a a good night to go out in speed because nearly every cop in town is uh, sitting in uh, the Enterprise (laughs) Center that night. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Although I think you can pretty much speed wherever you want. I was on Highway 270 the other day. 
Buddy doing 85 miles an hour, you'd have thought I was walking. Yeah. You were doing 85? I'm trying. Wow. Uh, I was trying to keep up with traffic, I and I couldn't couldn't keep it together. All right, well, we got St. Louis University Billikens basketball coming up at 11 o'clock here on The Voice of St. Louis. But until that, Chris and Amy are in the house, and they're going to, well, they're going to lead our discussion for about 45 or 50 minutes leading into that basketball game. It has been a thorough joy to spend this time with each and every one of you. Thanks to Frank Ladd, our producer, James O'Sullivan, skillfully working the board. You've been listening to the Hancock and Kelly Show on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX.